All right, lads and lasses and good day, mates. Welcome to another episode of the Tune Under Podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's biggest and best Newcastle United podcast. Uh, we are Australia's only podcast as well, at least as far as we're concerned. And, um, uh, you know, you can check me maths if you like, but I think that makes us the best Australian podcast as well. <laughs> um, I'm joined, um, I'm Lee, I'm joined by Craig here. We're going to be talking about the game down at the Forest City Ground. Newcastle running away with it, 3-2 in the end for a valuable three points. Um, just before we get started there, a big welcome to uh, all of our new subscribers. We've had a bit of a surge over the last week, so um, big highs to the guys in India and Indonesia in particular. I'd love to see some international fans watching us. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoy the show. So, Newcastle, 3-2 against Forest, it uh, it was a bit of a quiet game. Things going on, didn't it? Um, let's uh, let's just have a look at the teams first, and we'll get into the into the, the details of it. Um, and by the way, thanks to uh, Nottingham Forest for not doing up a, a nice slide for uh, for their lineup. They must be the only club in the league that don't give a nice uh, you know bit of artwork for the lineup. So we've got this one here from Sky. It was our old mate, Matt Sells, in goal. Uh, then it's Williams, Nakerhate. By the way, I don't know how to speak any of these names. If, if you're new here, I do apologise. I am terrible at doing names. Uh, Marillo and Taveras at the back. Then it was uh, Elanga, Yates, Gibbs-White, Dominez, Dominez, and hudson Adoy, and then number nine up front. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a warny, a warny, a warny. I'll call him a warny, but I'm not sure that's right. I do apologize. Uh, Craig, Matt Sells, haven't seen him for a little while, eh? Nah, to be honest, I forgot I'd with him. Um, he had that what one season in the championship with us under Rafa, and then he just disappeared, you know, like a fart in a jacuzzi. Uh, just <laughs> don't know anyone that's uh heard anything or seen of anything since, and then he just Pops out of nowhere. I actually thought of anything to be retired by now. Is that championship season seemed donkeys ago, though? It does. Uh, I don't really remember him having much game time, even at Newcastle. Like, my memory's not great either, like mind you. But um, it's nice to see him back, you know. I think he was in Europe somewhere. Um, and then he's, he's joined Forest because, you know, they need more people. They need more keepers. Um, no Chris Wood. What was the story with him? Uh, pull the hamstring, I think. Uh, four to six weeks out, thank God. Not that I wouldn't say anyone get injured, like, but I'm so glad he wasn't playing after uh, that Boxing Day disaster or yeah. uh, masterclass from him, depending on which way you're looking at. Uh, well, look, to, to be fair to the bloke, he's, uh, he's a model professional, isn't he? And um, he uh, he did a right, he, he did a right for us, and I'm, I'm glad to see him doing well for Forrest. That Boxing Day game, though, like, bloody, that's gonna it's gonna haunt us every time we think of that. I'm glad we got something out of this game because, like, if we had just coughed up. I don't know, four points or even worse, six, then um, I would have been absolutely spewing even more about that Boxing Day thing. I've almost forgotten really? about that kind of horrible game. Um, but yeah, so no Chris Woods, that was good. Um, no Chris Wood, that was good. Uh, starting lineup for Newcastle. Debravka, Trippier, Shaw, Botman and Byrne, the usual story. Bruno, Longy and Miley in the middle. Uh, Miggy, Gordon and Wilson. So I wasn't even sure if Gordon was going to, make it to this one he uh he'd obviously done his ankle in in the last game and there was yeah. a fan in the metro center who um bumped into him and he was like yeah it's okay but it's pretty sore and that was only a few days ago um interesting to see him start good to see miggy back um i don't think he was 100 in this game uh wilson back because of course you can't have wilson and isaac at the same time it always has to be one in one out with those two <laughs> but uh yeah. how did you see this team uh well gordon apparently only trained on the friday he had one day training and and um, yeah, he, he seemed to do all good. And I think uh, Miggy had too much con on the cat pillar cake for his birthday. He seemed a little bit sluggish. Um, <laughs> but as far as the lineup goes, in terms of everyone being as match uh, starting match fit, it's probably the best lineup we've got at the minute, I reckon. All right, or close to it. Um, there's obviously that mm -hmm. ongoing discussion about Tino versus Bolton, uh, Burn, sorry, but. Um, I actually learned after the game as well from Bruno that he was actually quite ill during the week. Um, he had a bit of the shits, uh, stomach aches, headaches, all this kind of stuff. Uh, even he was surprised he managed to get through this game. But, I mean, as we'll get into, it was, man, the match performance, as far as I'm concerned, he was right. absolutely ter terrific in this game. Um, referee, 
we're going to talk about the referee in a little bit. Um, I think probably everyone knows why. Uh, but the referee was Anthony Taylor, our old mate. Anthony Taylor, who I think, I'm not sure if the last time was against Liverpool, but that's the one that I'm kind of thinking of in my head because of a certain dive. Let's not try and sugarcoat this. Dive no. from a certain goal forward who could have just stayed on his feet and scored anyway. Um, but anyway, back into the game. I thought we started pretty well in the first five minutes, actually. It looked like it was going to be one of those neat and tidy games, a little bit like Villa, where we were kind of in control quite comfortably when, um, you know, despite whatever Forrest was trying to do, we, we seemed to be able to find the space. We were moving around. We actually remembered how to pass the ball to each other, which was always, it's always quite nice. Um, but as is always the case, the first, well, not always the case, but as is often the case, the first kind of shot on goal was actually from Forrest. And it's kind of set up the scene, didn't it, for, for pretty much most of the game until, like, I don't know, maybe it's midway through second half. It was a, a very quick counter-attack. Uh, Gibbs White ends up shooting just wide. Um, and I, my feeling was that Miggy probably could have just put a foot in earlier on because I think he kind of catches up to him with a well, return sprint and then sort of just backs off a little bit. He doesn't doesn't bother to try and put a challenge in or anything. And, and maybe that's because Miggy was a little bit out of sorts. Um and also another reoccurring theme was that I thought maybe Debravic could have swept that one as well instead yeah. of uh, trotting backwards. It was there was a fair bit of that in this game, wasn't it? From from Debravic. Now look, I'm not his greatest fan. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I have actually been quite impressed with the way he's played this season. There's been some good shot stops, some really essential saves. So you know, props to him for that. But um, the one thing he is not, if you're going to combine him with Pope, he's not a sweeper keeper. Sweeper keeper. No, he's not. A sweeper not keeper, and how much did we suffer because of that in this game, do you reckon? Big time. Purely because we know we don't have uh, the the fastest defence. And Pope is very quick off his line. So that kind of counteracts the two of them. But um, yeah, he he's loves to hang on that goal line. He's very, very reluctant to come off it. And that was evident for um, at least well, uh, one of their goals, you know. It was... Uh, it was a shame to see because he, like I say, he had a pretty decent game. I thought, and I know you're a big fan of keepers catching rather than punching, and he mm -hmm. done a fair bit of that in this game as well. So he, he could have done better for the first goal, absolutely, and the second goal, yeah, you should have done better for that one too. Well, the second goal is when he actually comes out as well. <laughs> like here, I am saying he doesn't sweep. He comes out, gets to the edge of his box, shits himself, and then you know concedes essentially. But allows. The first player to score. We'll get onto that in a little bit. Um, but look, so after the first five minutes, I thought um, Forrest was starting to get into it, finding their feet a little bit. But uh, it was actually us who managed to get the first goal. It's uh, it's called a routine um, on ten minutes. Uh, it's played short to Trips, who sort of legs onto it with a bit of pace. I imagine this is part of the process where he wants to run into the ball, and so he can get enough whip and he can get it across with enough pace. Um, and I tell you what, mind what a finish from Bruno. He's, he's hovered at the back. You can see him hovering sort of along the, the edge of the 18-yard box. He watches the ball get whipped in. Nobody knows he's even there from a forest. Nobody in the red shirt's anywhere near him. The ball just comes right over the top. And um, first time volley on the outside of his right foot. It was a beautiful, beautiful goal, Craigie. Um, and that routine we've seen before, haven't we? We have. In uh, that dreaded 5-1 Brentford game, for uh, those that are familiar with the channel, uh, that was the game I unfortunately had to dye my hair with. But uh, yeah, it was pretty much a carbon copy of uh, that first goal, I think it was, of that game. And uh, yeah, it was a set piece, well taken, and uh, finished to match as well. That finish was just absolutely glorious, though. I mean, the technique to, to watch that come over the top of the bodies and mm -hmm. then sort of half kung fu kick it outside your boot, get enough power, get enough con uh, contact. I thought it was an absolutely terrific goal. The, the, the last time I saw that routine that I was thinking of was against City earlier in the season right. when Joe was on the other end of it and he nuts it in. It was almost oh, yeah, yeah. carbon. It was like a carbon copy of that, but obviously, um, Joe is probably a little bit better with his head than he is with his feet, to be quite fair. Um, but look, 10, 10 minutes gone, one nil up. Um, pretty good. It's always good to get a nice goal early in the game. It kind of settles a bit of nerves and stuff. Um, but you know, wasn't that long later that we see the first sign of Dan Byrne getting absolutely skinned down the wing? Uh, Alanga with his kind of funky head sort of scarf thing on that he had on. Uh, he was, he was having burn on toast a lot today. Like it, it was, it's, it's the familiar story, isn't it? Like we keep saying burn isn't fast. And we've, I've been saying this since last season when we were doing terrific. I kept saying our defense mm -hmm. 
is shockingly slow. And Byrne is particularly slow in that slow defence. Uh, as much as I love the guy, he just cannot, he hasn't got the legs. And, you know, well, he has got the legs, got very long legs. He hasn't got mm. the speed in them, though. And he often uses those long legs to kind of cut out the ball at the last second with his toenails, you know, because he's got that long reach with them. Um, but do you, did you have any thoughts in your mind that uh, maybe we would have started Tino in this game? I mean, it's not like we didn't see Byrne getting skinned against Luton, for example, in the last game. Um, do you think Tino should have started? Do you think we're ever going to see Tino start? Or is, is Eddie Howe just too loyal to, to Dan Byrne? I think as a, an overall player, I think Dan Byrne may just offer that tiny bit extra, purely just from set pieces. And I know Eddie has said this in his press conference. I'm not trying to defend Eddie or anything else as well, but I do think his overall game uh, from set pieces, he is that aerial threat. I mean, yeah, he doesn't score anywhere near as many as he should do for uh, a tall fella, um, but his defensive capabilities from headers and everything I get is par paramount to what Eddie does and what Eddie wants the team to do. Um, Tino is the better person going forward, absolutely. And yes, he's pacier than uh, Byrne, but is his defensive knowledge as good as Byrne's? Maybe not. But that could just be uh, lack of experience on uh, Tino's behalf. He's still only 21, remember. So he's still got a lot of learning to do. Um, but yeah, uh, Byrne's pace is a genuine worry. Uh, but Alanga, he, he's no slouch. He's one of the quickest players in the league. And there's not many other fullbacks would actually be able to keep up with him anyway. Um, just Burn being that little bit slower, he is exposed that a little bit more. And fair play to uh, Forrest for realising the potential weak link in the chain and exposing it, you know. I'd be surprised at this point if anybody hasn't realised that's our weak link. Um, the whole back four is slow as shit, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, we haven't had any pace back there for a while. I mean, Tino does have a bit of pace in him, to be fair to him. Um, I'm not sure if he's more of a, a wing back as, as much as a full back. Um, you know, he likes to get up the pitch and often you'll see him very high up. Um, but look, mm -hmm. we, we knew that was going to happen. Elanga is, as you say, absolutely rapid. Um, I actually thought Forrest played really well in this game. Um, probably should have got something out of it really in the end. I'm not going to complain too much that I didn't. But, um, you know, if you were a Forrest fan, you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, this actually wasn't a bad game for us, really. Um, mm -hmm. Just before they scored their goal, though, on the 26th minute, uh, a little stat flashed up on the screen. It was on the 25th minute, actually. So right before they scored, uh, it was 78% possession to Newcastle to their 22, and we had four attempts to their two. So by this point, we were pretty much turning the screw. We were fully in control of the ball. 78% to 22 was fairly indicative of that, uh, having the more shots on goal. But again, we, we, we allow the pace to, to stuff us. 26 minutes. It is a langer. Who else? He's fed right through the middle, right in between Byrne and Botman, neither of which are fast. Um, they can't catch up with him, and he slots it under the advancing Debravka, as we just touched on earlier on there. That was that was the time when Debravka decided to come out with his goal uh, to, to no effect whatsoever, really. I mean, I know he's trying to sort of narrow the angle and what have you, but, but Alanga just simply slots it underneath him. It was like it was a very straightforward goal. The the two defenders were too far apart. There was too much space. Alanga's got far too much pace to get through the middle of him and, and do something about it. Um, how did you see that, that that goal that we conceded? And do you, do you think Dubravnik could have done better there? Well, I, I watched the goal a few times, and you actually see Dubravnik take two or three steps backwards as Alanga's running towards goal before he then decides to commit to come out. So I don't know if those extra few steps backwards uh, managed to just uh, let him have that little bit extra space for him to right. take that shot between the legs. I'm not too sure, but we were effectively playing with a back three in that game uh, whenever we were going forward. And due to Trippier's lack of pace, as soon as they got the ball forward, we were a back three. Trippier, he's absolutely immense for the club, but his defensive tracking back isn't great against the pace because he just doesn't have really much as we've already talked about. Uh, and that gap between Botman and Byrne was as wide as the time, you know. And it was too easy to play that ball through. And it was a really good finish from Alanga, not taking anything away from it. But Dubs, he shouldn't have taken those few steps back. He should have just came charging out of his line, just like what Pope would have done. Yeah, he may have got something on it. He may not have, who knows. Um, but I think it would have at least narrowed that angle down, as he said.
Yeah, as you say, the uh, the 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 formation for Newcastle was a three five two in position. I think it was. So we were kind of pushing up the wing backs. We were, we were kind yeah. of playing with a with a more advanced midfield and, and um, forward line, and, and it was more like a four five one out of possession um, to try and sort of fill in that middle of the park space that um, I think Luton, if I'm remembering rightly, kind of took full advantage of. Um, it was a well-deserved goal. Um, well, not well-deserved as far as possession, but it was well-deserved as part of as as far as the move was concerned. It was a lovely finish. Um, Newcastle probably could have done better, but hey, what are you going to do? Uh, and I think actually after that goal, you know, the, the 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 feel of the game sort of shifted. We had all that possession, as I just mentioned, seventy-eight percent. They then score against the runner play, and then it feels a lot like it's suddenly all Forest. Did you get that feeling? You know, it felt up until we scored our second that it felt very much like a we were we were struggling to kind of find our composure a little bit. Um, were we just kind of crapping ourselves a little bit with the pace that Forrest was showing, do you think? Or were Forrest, did you get a sense that Forrest were trying something different? Or were they, were they just maybe hammering that that pace aspect of it to um, to really give us, uh, you know, too much to think about and we were starting to creak a little bit? I think just after the goal, they had a little bit of an adrenaline rush and uh, the crowd were up for it after the goal went in, which, you know, City Ground is always quite a vocal place. And they're always going to try and push uh, the team on. Maybe it was just the goal that pushed them on. Uh, but they didn't really create much else with it, though, did they? I mean, from what I remember, I can't really think of any other chances they'd done in that five to ten minutes after they equalised for the first goal. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing springs to mind. I think it was a lot of loose balls in the middle, them trying to get uh, down the wing, but nothing came to it. And if anything, Dubravka, you would have had one of those two catches that we mentioned just before. So nothing where there was a goal mouth scramble or clear cut chances. Not that I can remember anyway. Yeah, no, that's probably a fair comment, actually. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I didn't make any notes about it as I was watching the game. So probably as a Newcastle fan, you know, when when you when you see Pierce coming towards you and you know that we're weak at the back, it's like, oh, every, suddenly time starts to be like three or four times longer. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. like, it's like, this is killing me watching this. You know, it seems like it's been forever and we're not getting anywhere. We're struggling to get out of one half at times. Um, but as it was, 43 minutes, so just, just before half time, if you ignore the extra time, uh, great time to score a goal normally. Uh, the ball bounces in the box for Byrne. Uh, as you said, Craig, you know, his, his offensive capabilities with his height can often come in to, uh, to, our, to our benefit when, when he needs to get up there and head the ball on. Uh, he's often at the back stick looking to head it across the, uh, the front mm -hmm. line as well. On this occasion, he manages to get your head to it and squares it to um, the the sexual Fab Shaw <laughs> with a, and he has a lovely kind of half volley, doesn't he, into the into the corner. He sort of, I think, Sells was expecting it to go down his near post, and, and yeah. Shaw cuts it to the other side through a couple of defenders. I'm not sure how much Matty Sells would have seen of it, to be honest with you, but um, lovely touch against the runner player, like we've been saying, a little bit against the runner player. Good time to get it. You think, all right. This is gonna we're gonna go in here at half time at two one. Yeah, this is this is perfect. We've just weathered a bit mm -hmm. of storm. We're gonna gonna break the hearts, they're gonna have to change their half time speak, uh half time talk. Um, how did you see that goal and a little bit of you know redemption for Byrne, maybe if he was culpable for the for their first? Um, I, I can't remember if it was Byrne or Botman actually that uh, knocked it down for sure. Not I'm sure on that one. I've, in, I've, got, was I've, got, I've got Byrne, I've got Byrne, I'm pretty sure it was Byrne. We'll go with Byrne then. Uh it was stupid o'clock in the morning we we're watching this, so um but uh, yeah, it was a well-taken goal. Um, Forrest is well-documented before, during, and after the game. They're quite atrocious from set pieces. And just uh, how they exposed us for lack of pace, we exposed them on their set-piece frailties. So, you know, it's something we uh, like a game of chess, really. Just put our markers out and uh, went for attack. Um, but crack and goal. Should have went in on the, the break, tone up. And then I think it was like a minute or two afterwards, someone almost break Shaw's foot by stamping on it. Yes. And that, I think, is what caused a little bit of break in play for the extra time. If I remember rightly, I can't, again, can't think of anything else, which caused the extra five, six minutes in total. Yeah, it was another five or so, six minutes, as you say, yeah. Um, I actually saw a stat, just to come back to this goal here. Um, Forrest, back four, won two out of eight aerial duels in this game, and Newcastle won 13 out of 18. So... You know, you, you can see there's a there's a vulnerability for Forrest. They're not great on set pieces. They're not good at dealing with the ball when it comes into the box. Um, they don't handle their real duels particularly well. Um, just before I get that short foot injury, though, um, there was a penalty shot, one of the first of two in this game. Um, it's a 
it looked in real time it looked a bit like Byrne had clipped the heels of Alanga as he was running running through. Um mm -hmm. I'm not even sure on the replay if he did or didn't. I'm not sure whether if Alanga was maybe pushed a bit uh, and he lost his feet. Um but VAR cleared it apparently. Um we we have a chance to sort of clean our underwear, thinking that you know we've just buggered it up before half time. I mean you know, don't get me wrong, we still managed to bugger up. There was still time to bugger it up before half time, don't get me wrong. But this was a the first of two penalties. Did a, did Byrne touch him? Did Alanga just chuck himself to the ground? How did you see it? Uh, I do think there was a little bit of contact, but not from Byrne. I think it was Gordon who was tracking back with him. Mm. Um, puts his hand on his back. The, uh, there's not enough momentum to push him over, and I think he is already on his way down. Uh, and I think that's why VAR looked at it because you do see the hands come out from Gordon onto his back. But um, yeah, I think he's made a, a mountain out of a molehill and he's pretty much tripped over his own shoelaces on that one. Not a penalty for I me. Mean, if you look at the way his feet go when he goes down, he does that classic trail his, trail his toes along the grass thing and then fall to his knees. It was it was pretty theatrical, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, a, in my opinion, I don't think the slightest touch from Golden, although, you know, if anyone's played five aside or whatever and, and you're legging it as full pace and someone touches you on the back, it can send you sprawling. Like you can just lose your feet because you're already at full pelt. So um, maybe it was a penalty. We didn't, they, they didn't get it. Uh, and I was thinking, oh, brilliant. You know, we're going to get into half time here. We've just had a little scare there. Champion. Uh, it's nearly half time. We're going to go in 2 1. And then what happens? The last kick of the bloody half. Uh, Hudson Adoy, I think it was, it cuts inside, takes a shot. Lewis Marley's there to try and cut the, 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 the shot out. Takes a nasty, nasty deflection. Um, and it goes into the corner, beats Dub Tabrafka is just basically wearing cement boots, isn't he? He just watches it go sailing into the other into the corner. They can't do anything about it. Um, we we've just explained how well I've just explained how nervous I was and how relieved I was that Newcastle got away with that penalty shot. When all we had to do for seven minutes was just to keep things nice and tight, didn't do anything stupid, didn't let them get any shots away. We still didn't stop them from getting the shot away. The last kick of the game goes into the corner. Um, do, do we just have a nervous underbelly these days, Craggy? I mean, how how are we not managing the game better before half time here? We, surely there was a there was something we could have done to avoid this from happening. Well, during the, the build up of that goal, uh, Fabian Shaw's on the ball, and you can see he's still not quite right from his foot injury, and he's hobbling to pass it around, and he loses possession. Uh, due to being in pain or whatever. And that goal comes from that loss in possession from Shaw being injured, um, which whether he should have just sat on the floor, wait for the physios to come on, do whatever, you know. Uh, and yes, it will be more added on time, but it would have potentially give us possession back or we hook it back up to their keeper and there they reset right from the back again. I understand him wanting to stay on his feet. Because uh, you want to stop the team out, whatever. But if you're injured, go down. I mean, it, it's not as if you're feigning the injury or you're trying to go from a dive or anything or whatever, you know. He was genuinely injured. He got his foot stamped on and it was blatantly obvious from the replays. And I think if anybody else had been on that ball, whether it be Trips Miggy on that uh, right hand side, maybe we could have retained possession. Maybe we could have just kept a hold of it, hooked it up, and then the whistle would have went, you know. But um, as far as the goal goes, the brave guy, I think I said there's nobody could have. He was at fault for the second one. Clearly not. I've got me uh, lines mixed up on that one. Yeah, there's nothing he could have done. Miley was unfortunate with the deflection. And I think uh, it was going in the the other corner as far as uh, Dubravka was on going on. So, yeah, 2-2. Two -two. Both managers uh, had to rewrite and reset their halftime team talks about two or three times. And, <laughs> yeah, it was just a uh, mental first half. Very similar to uh, Luton, I'd imagine. Yeah, it must be pretty frustrating for the managers when they think, all right, I'm not I'm going to say it now. Then something happens, and like, all right, I'll just think, say something else. And then something else happens, like, all right, maybe I'll go back to what I was going to say before. Um, that sharp foot injury, I forgot to come back to that. That looked like a horrible tackle, like horrible studs up, deliberate foul to me. Um, how did you say that? Do you think that was, do you think there was a shout there for serious foul play? I, I didn't see it in real time. I only seen it in slow motion, and that obviously makes things look worse. Um, I don't know if VR even looked at it. it. They never said VR were looking at it or anything like that. But there was definite contact with a stamp on the top of his foot. Whether it was a deliberate stamp or not, it's still potentially dangerous play. 
So maybe he, I didn't even go to yellow. Probably didn't get a free kick, did we? It was. Uh, uh, I think so. No, I'm sure they continue play with it. Yeah. Um, but mm. uh, I it was it was a stamp again. Whether it was deliberate, accidental, a stamp is still a stamp at the end of the day. Remember, Bruno got sent off uh, against Southampton for a similar type of thing uh, in the League Cup last year. Ah, uh, usually gets away with them, but not always. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It looked pretty bad to me, but I guess I mean we can't really complain about a, a decision going against us, given we got away with two possible penalties, one more than the other. We'll get to that soon. Um, that just that point you mentioned about Shaw there staying down and stuff. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the the final last season when he took a bolt to the chops. I think it was a bolt to the chops, right. and he, he had a bit of concussion. And anyone could see he, he was he was at fault for the two goals that Man United scored that day. Uh, because he's because he was he was concussed. I said during the game, I hope he doesn't turn out to be concussed because he shouldn't be on the pitch. And of course, what we find out two days later, oh, he was concussed. Like shocking from the physio department who were treating him there in the first instance. Um, and maybe Shaw should know better than to try and play on when he's got an injury, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, he's got a goal, so what can you do? Uh, I didn't get the stats for the second half, but uh, when we start the second half, there's no changes. Um, any any feeling in your mind that maybe we might have took burn off the way he was getting skinned? No, not really, because Eddie's not really want to make uh, rash judgments at half time uh, unless there's a forced injury. Uh, like again, what we're seeing at uh, Luton, I think it was when he brought uh, Wilson on at half time um, when Gordon went off. But nah, I, I don't. Eddie's not really that type of person. I think we we. We weren't losing the game. We certainly weren't in process of losing the game. We were still well in a chance of winning it. And I think that's what Eddie thought maybe as well, you know. Um, and I was happy for the same 11 to come out. Fair enough. Um, I think, um, to be fair to Forrest, I think they started the second off a lot better than we did. Um, I actually thought Forrest, as I said already, I think Forrest played pretty well in this game. Yes, they've got some issues with um, set pieces, as we've discussed. Um We've got set pieces. We've got problems with pace, you know. So we're not exactly perfect either. I thought the way they were stringing some of the passes together, some of the moves, they were kind of sometimes good, sometimes great, sometimes not that good. Uh, and I think the start of the second half with a bit of a higher press, like the mentality was to close us down a little bit quicker. It seemed to me, um, which they weren't really doing in the first half. And for a little while there, we were struggling to even get out of one off. Like we were just, we we were effectively pinned in, just defending deep. Uh, and all the second balls were just getting picked up by Forrest and they would have another go at us, you know. Um, and we get our first heart attack because of that, because their number nine, whose name I'm not even going to try and say again, um, there's a ball through to him, which basically cut our defence right in half, just dissected the defence. It was a lovely ball. He runs onto it and he has this lovely finished chip as well into the yeah. far corner net. Uh, Dubrovka didn't have a chance. Um, and... Man, I don't know about you, but I was ready to stand up and put my foot through the t TV because I was like, "This is this. How many times have we seen them do us for pace here? The, the, we've just they've just done it again." And then, of course, the linesman flags like offside, and I'm like, "Oh, thank Christ, that was offside!" Because that that would have been just a kick in the nuts, wouldn't it? I mean, how did you feel when you saw that going? Did you think that was? Do you think that was a goal? Uh, nah, I, I had a feeling it was offside straight away as soon as I seen the ball played. He. Um... You see trips. He kind of leans back towards into the the, the line of play just to move himself back uh, onside. And very very good uh, line judgment call from trips on that one. Um, but yeah, mm. I thought it was offside from uh, the second the ball was played through. So yeah. luckily we got uh, the benefit of that one. Well, the replay certainly showed them offside. We did get the benefit yeah. there. Um, lovely move though. Wasn't even about pace. It was, it was just beautiful. It's just a beautiful ball through. Fantastic finish. Unfortunately for them. Not for us. Uh, he uh, was offside. Um, so, 60 minutes, we bring on Barnes. Um, it's, this was just after Botman and Adoy had a bit of a handbags match on the on the side there. They were kind of having a go at each other and we both got yellow cards. Um, but we brought on Barnes and it looked a bit like we went up for a more of attacking three up front. More like a 4-3-3, I felt. Um, mm. And we started to apply a bit of press, which is something that we... Haven't done all that much this season. We did it against Villa to, to great effect, but then we didn't do too much against Villa, uh, against Luton, sorry. And we didn't start like that against Forest, um, but it seemed a little bit like that's how we were going to go over the second half. Um, but it didn't take long for the main talking point, if you want to ignore the, the winning goal, the main talking point, uh, which was the penalty shout. 
their number nine is steaming down the their right, our left, and he's inside the box. Uh, he has two horrendous touches of the ball. I have to say, he, he touched his shoulder. <laughs> his first one, he stuffed it. The second one, he stuffs it again. Uh, he's under pressure from uh, Botman, who actually gets a touch of the ball as he tries to um, do a bit yeah, of defending. Uh, Dubravka, who we've already commented on a few times now, he, he comes out and um, full only tries to put his arms out to stop the run of the ball. I'm not exactly clear on how he doesn't manage to do that. Um, in my mind, I can't remember exactly how he misses the ball so much, but he doesn't get to the ball. Uh, the ball's actually kind of running away a little bit from, from the forest number nine, but he, as Dubravka is putting his arms out, it looks to me like he was trying to twist a little bit to sort of hopefully claw the ball back. That's my Aye. my black and white eyes. Like I'm, I don't think he was trying to bring the guy down. That was That's me thinking, yeah, he wasn't trying to bring him down. He was trying to, he was hoping he could twist and get the ball back because uh, he doesn't know where the ball is. It's behind him by this point. Uh, but then number nine uh, goes over. There is definitely contact. There's no way you can deny that there's con there's not any contact between Dubravka and their number nine. Um, the, key, the the referee, he says no penalty. It goes to VAR. VAR evidently decided that there wasn't um, a clear and, obvious, clear and obvious error from the ref, despite the vision showing us that there was definitely contact. And Newcastle get away with it. Now, I've been on the Forest forums, of course, and uh, I'll be honest with you, man, like 50-50, you could pick anybody out of that forum uh, and, and some will say, half of them will say it was definitely a penalty, half of them will say it wasn't. Some of them were in the ground and they were actually saying, look, we just laughed when we saw him go down like that. That's how that's how comical it looked when he went down. But now mm -hmm. I've seen it back, I think maybe it was a penalty. Um, I, when I first viewed it, I thought that's just a, that's nothing. Uh, when I've watched it since, I'm like, Ooh, I could kind of see, could kind of see why that might be given. Um, how do you see it? Never a penalty in for a month of Sundays, no chance. <laughs> he makes a contact with the Bravka uh, in the the same way that I think it was a uh, Jota uh, at the Liverpool game when he runs into the uh, Bravka and he he buys the penalty on that one due to his reaction and. You know, that, that's Anfield, so I was going to get the penalty. But the, the contact with Dubravka's midriff, I think it is, where he, he almost sticks his leg out to make the contact with him. Dubravka's not looking at the player. As you said, he's busy trying to claw the ball back. So he's no idea where the player is in his general vicinity, effectively. Um, he's took a kick to the ribs, pretty much, and the players fell over under his own steam. Um, never a penalty, not for me. Uh, the player tries to buy one, and He's not getting anything from uh, that ref, which he had a mixed game, the ref, but VAR got the two penalty decisions spot on, I thought. Um, I don't think anybody could really have any complaints. There was no, again, obvious error uh, with what the ref done. So, obviously, Dubravka is raising his arm. Now, you can argue whether he's trying to bring him down deliberately, or you can say, like, well, I've just said that it looked more like he was trying to turn around and grab the ball back being as it was that he didn't know where the ball was, so he's hoping he can just turn around and grab the ball. Um, there's two bits of contact, though, if I remember rightly. The first one is where he touches his arm as it's up in the air, and then the second one is when he's planted his, he's planted his foot into the kind of... It's almost like the armpit of Dubravka. After mm -hmm. he's had that initial touch from his arm, he's put his foot into the kind of the armpit area, like you say, maybe the upper rib, and then he's went over. Um, I could see that... But my first impression was, look, that was... You've kind of... You've, you've allowed that sort of contact to happen. You could have quite easily jockeyed over the top of Dubravka there without going down. But nonetheless, it, if if Dubravka has impeded the run of the number nine in the box, whether it's deliberate or not, whether the ball has kind of gone from the guy, like as if you know it, it doesn't have to be in control of the ball for a foul still to be committed, I believe. So why why isn't VAR looking at it and going, well, Look, Anthony Taylor, you um, you reckon that's not a, a penalty, but look, there's clearly contact. The position of the referee, by the way, was terrible. He was like halfway up the bloody pitch, and he was on the wrong side as well. So how are VAR not saying to them, at least you, you've missed the contact, at least go and have a look at it on the telly and, and you know, make your mind up. How, how, how come that didn't happen? Because there was no obvious, clear and obvious error. I think the, the the ref got it absolutely spot on first time. 
but it's I been don't... there's contact. Yeah. yeah, just because there's contact doesn't necessarily mean there's been a foul and or penalty. But you know, uh, uh, it's a contact sport at the end of the day. But he's raised his arm in the box. He's nowhere near the but, ball, Dubravka. He's raised his he, arm to impede the run. But it's the Forest player that makes the contact with the Bravka, not the other way around. If the Bravka sticks his arm out to grab his leg or anything like that, then yeah, fair enough, that's a penalty and even a possible possible red card. But if the Forest player drives into the Bravka when he's on the ground, that's him trying to buy a penalty. As far as I'm concerned, I mean that's a still image I can see there. And yeah, the yes, you're right, he's no any other ball, but. He's trying to buy the penalty by tripping over Dubravka, kicking into Dubravka, whatever you want to call it. It is not a penalty in any which way, shape or form. Absolute correct decision. All right. Well, look, I mean, this bit of uh, vision here, it's sort of, this is the bit after the initial touch from Dubravka. My point would be, though, that if Dubravka doesn't raise his arm, that initial bit of contact doesn't happen. And then number nine can pretty much go over the top and he's possibly in on goal. I mean, his touches were ter ter terrible, so God knows what he does with the ball after that point. But nonetheless, if, if Dubravka hadn't have turned and twisted and raised his arm, there's not going to be that initial contact, is there? So it's not like he's making the contact happen, the number nine. It's Dubravka being in a position that forces that contact to happen, surely. Now, you, you see his leg go into Dubravka? His left leg goes into Dubravka to make the contact to go down. Uh, that's the second action, though. The first action is when it hits his arm as Dubravka's up in the air, twisting around. But the first action is him kicking Dubravka, if I remember rightly. Again, I could be wrong on this one, uh, but mm. I'm sure the first contact between the keeper and uh, the Forest player is the Forest player leaning into Dubravka with his foot to initiate the contact. And maybe that's why it was never given, because he, he initiates the contact first. That's yeah. the way I'm saying it anyway. Uh, my memory of it is that uh, the first contact is actually with the arm or the shoulder when it's raised as Dubravka's turning around. Uh, the second one is when he plants his foot and then kicks him in the ribs. Um, but hey, look, let's talk about how Dubravka didn't snuff that chance out in the first place. If you watch the camera from behind the goal, like it's it's Matt Sells, he hugs mm -hmm. it all the way down the middle of the pitch, doesn't touch anybody, lands at the feet of the number nine, he runs in on goal, Dubravka makes what could potentially have been a penalty, Perhaps should have been in my in my opinion a few others. Um, why isn't he? He's he's got the best view of everybody in that team. He watches that ball come from the other keeper. It's coming all the way over the top. It's high in the air. It's in the air for a long time. Why isn't he anticipating that and coming out and doing something a bit more than nothing? <laughs> like almost giving away a penalty. What what was he doing? He watched the whole. We thing. actually seen something similar last week in the uh, the Brentford Man City game where Brentford keeper just hugs it uh, up the pitch. And Mopé just runs onto it and puts it past Edison. I think maybe the flight of the ball or the bounce of the ball deceives the keeper or anything else. Or maybe just expect Botman to hoover up, you know? Um, but, yeah, he he should have reacted quicker to coming off his line after seeing it. But he's not the first keeper ever caught out by that one and certainly not of recent memory anyway. No, maybe. Maybe I'm being a little bit overcritical. I mean, I think Nick Paul comes out and smashes that away. Like, But um, as we've said, Dubravka isn't oh, humble, Nick Pope. Or just picks it up outside the box. <laughs> oh, God's sake. Uh, don't remind me of that. Um, what I will say as well, just to finish off this little bit here, is that for what it's worth as well, uh, Shea Given, obviously the keeper's union there, and Alan Shearer, the striker's union, they both said that that was a penalty. So take that what you will. But I think, honestly, you could you could take a straw poll from thousands and you'll probably find us a 50-50 50-50 split. That was one of those, you know. Um, lucky for us, we got away with it. And then it's almost straight afterwards, a few minutes afterwards, we score uh, to uh, to to get the winning goal, as it turns out. So we could have went 3-2 down at that point, but we went 2-3 up instead. Um, Bruno finds himself with the ball. Uh, he's in front of the goal. I think Barnes was making a little bit of a nuisance of himself down, the, down by the corner there. Um, and Forrest do a, a really bad job of clearing it. They're essentially trying to pass the ball out of it, but but Bruno's brain has already clicked on. He's like, I'm going to cut this ball out straight away, and he's already running onto it as it's being passed. Picks it up. He runs into the sort of middle area of the goal. I actually think he's surprised at how much space he's got, because I think his initial yeah. thought is he's going to pass it to Wilson, who's in a brilliant position, by the way, and screaming for it. <laughs> um, but you can see he's like running into the space, and then he sort of, sort of does a little couple of short steps to when he realises that he's got an, an opportunity here. 
and then he kicks it into the far corner through a couple of defenders. Um, yeah, Wilson screaming for it. Thank God that ball went in because I think Wilson would have took his heat off, to be honest with you. Um, I'm jumping and screaming around the place. It's five o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, get in. You know, we've, we've just went through all that penalty stuff and I'm like, this is it. We've done it again. Three, two up. What was your reaction, Craig? Can you remember? Uh, when, when it went in, I actually didn't, I didn't believe it went in the back of the net first. I thought it um, bounced off the, the post at the side and hit the net that way. I didn't because, to be honest, Bruno's finish, he, he's not a natural finisher, Bruno. Um, hence why he's only got three goals so far this season. But it was a very, very well-placed shot. He didn't go for power or anything. He's just placed it into that bottom corner. And I think there's a little bit of a bounce just before Sells tries to get to it, which takes it over uh, the keeper's hands. Um, so very well-placed shot, very uh, well-taken goal. And considering the bloke was shitting through the eye of a needle, he uh, <laughs> he was pretty, <laughs> pretty well-taken uh, goal uh, for both of them. And what a performance from uh, the, the man, you know? Absolutely phenomenal, that game. It was terrific. I'll just remind you what you said in chat, though. So I'm basically like screaming like lots of daft consonants in chat because I couldn't quite get my message out. All I get from you is, let's see if we can hold on to it this time. That was all I got from you. No yes, no get in. It's like, oh, let's, let's see if we can keep a hold of it this time. I was like, oh, Jesus, destroy the mood, why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> but look, it's just on cells, actually. I think he does get touched that ball as well, you know. But he, he's I, it's like he got Chris Packard hands or something. Probably <laughs> didn't didn't see it until late. Probably he's, um, you know, he's he's out of position and um, couldn't handle the bounce, as you mentioned. Um, I also want to give a tip of the hat to uh, Dan Burns, tactical obstruction. Did you see that one? As a as the ball's getting played through to Bruno, <laughs> Dan Burns realizes there's something on, and uh, he kind of just casually walks sort of meanders in front of one of the forest defenders who was otherwise going to come out and meet Bruno. And um, I think he gives him a little, how you doing shove, you know, like, how are you doing mate? Shove with his shoulder, yeah. a little shoulder barge. And if he, he think, uh, I mean, to be fair, he flings himself to the floor, this forest guy, I can't remember who it was, chucks himself to the floor and hopes that he gets a, a shove from the referee. Um, should have known better by this point. You were getting nothing out of that guy, that referee. Uh, and um, yeah, Bruno goes and mops up with an absolutely fantastic goal. So very happy with that. Three, two to Newcastle. Um, and it feels like an eternity now, doesn't it? From from the time we've scored this 3-2 to the end of the game, there was, I think, six minutes extra time, was it? Uh, so it felt like an absolute eternity. Um, I tell you what, mind you, Forrest kept on playing. I mean, why wouldn't they? They'd been behind three times. They've, they've scored twice to bring it level. Absolutely, this game was still there for them to get something out of it. Um, in my mind, it, was, it definitely wasn't done. Although I think Newcastle, once they got that that lead, they started to sort of be a little bit more clever with the ball, started to manage the game better than they had done to that point uh, or or when they'd taken the lead earlier on. Um, their number three, that Forest number three, whose name I've forgotten now, uh, he was like a bloody striker. He was, there was a few occasions where he was cutting inside. Uh, he was skinning men, he was dinking, and he was he was pulling our pants down and he was getting inside the box. Uh and he looked, uh, he looked like a pretty, pretty good handful. That guy um, didn't have the finish, thank, thank God. Um, but as that half went on, I was starting to think, you know what? This is just a question of how clean am I undies? How long is my undies going to stay clean until they <laughs> score? And they score. It just didn't feel like we were going to manage to see this one out because we'd already seen it twice beforehand. We couldn't keep the lead. Um, I suspect probably Eddie Howe felt the same. He brought on Tino for for Miley. Uh, and we went five at the back, just like what we did against Villa. I think you said in the chat, you remind us, it was basically right. the same thing that we did against Villa, and it worked a great effect there. Um, just on Marley, did you? What did you make of him today? I didn't. I didn't see an awful lot of him today. And he, obviously, he was. He couldn't be helped for that goal. But how did you see? He him? was playing a lot deeper, and I think the commentators picked up on this. So as far as the the middle three went, you had um, Longstaff and Miley sat back with Bruno further forward. And Miley is a lot more effective when he is further up the pitch, as we've seen with his uh, assists and goals. Now, when he, he sits back, he's obviously still learning his craft, as we know, but he's not as effective as a player when he's uh, sat alongside Longstaff in that maybe holding midfield type thing. Uh, that's probably more of a Joe Linton sort of area. Uh, but yeah, um, if it means Bruno pushes further forward, which we've all been crying for, for a good number of weeks and months and so, and we've all seen the effect it's had with uh, Bruno today, then I'm happy for it. I wouldn't say what well, Melly done anything wrong, 
but he didn't mm-hmm. really set the world alight. But again, we've got to remember he's only 17 years old, you know. Oh, he's only 17, is he? He is I. <laughs> oh, how old? 17. 17. 17, 17. <laughs> All right. Well, look, the rest of the game was pretty much us just trying to make sure we didn't concede again. I think it's fair to say. Um, I think the referee lost his whistle at some point because like there was there was <laughs> one point where some guy just went flying up the back of one of our players and brought him to the ground and the referee was like, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Just play on it, play on that, play on. And uh, didn't matter what was going on, didn't matter what kind of challenges were flying in, he just didn't want to get his whistle involved anymore. Um six minutes for extra time, as I mentioned. We bring on uh Kraft for Gordon, my boy Kraft. Mm-hmm. And uh good to see him coming on. I thought we went six at the back at this point. And I had, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have been un- that unhappy because we were basically creaking at the seams at this point. I thought, like, you know, this it's coming. It, you know, I had that feeling of, like it's coming, we're gonna stuff it up again. We just did it before first off, we're gonna do it again. Um, but we didn't. We managed to get through this uh, this game and we kept the uh, 3-2 win and the three points. And um, I'll be honest with you, I think I'm still clinched now. Now I'm thinking about it again. I think I'm just puckering up again because it was just one of those, like, get through this any way you can, boys, please. Just Forrest have had us, had us loads of times here with the pace and what have you. Um, and there's been penalty incidents and God knows what else. Um, I, think it, I think it's fair to say that was a half... Hard fought victory, though, wouldn't you say it was the forest played their part in that game? Do you think they were unlucky Absolutely. to come away with nothing? Um, not because we were the better team, I think we created the better chances, or we were more clinical in front of goal, at least, uh, with our chances. Yes, they had the penalty, was it or wasn't it? We've already had that discussion, and their goal was rightly ruled offside. I think, to be honest, that goal that was ruled offside maybe just knocked a bit of wind out of their sails and kind of egged us on a bit. Um, but yeah, um, I think we were the better team. We did deserve the win overall. It was a significantly better performance than the one on Boxing Day, uh, and that's probably the last we'll ever talk about that game. <laughs> and uh, now was a wasn't a good game to be honest. That um, it's funny you say that about that offside break in the backs because there was that there was that moment in the Villa game you remember when I think Watkins was uh, in on and he scored and it was a very very fractional offside and you could see their heads just sunk after that um but I think I think Forrest can feel a little bit hard done today I think they, they played enough of of a good game to um to uh to get at least a point out of that game I'm pleased they didn't for obvious reasons but I think um they might justifiably feel a little bit hard done do there Incidentally, that's the first time Nunes, the new manager, has actually lost against Newcastle, so stick that in your pipe. Um, <laughs> stats. Let's have a look at some full-time stats. We had uh, 62 possession to their 38. That's actually a bit of a surprise given how the game was going at times. They had 13 shots with three on target to our seven and five. So although we didn't have as many shots, more than one on target than theirs. Um, equal on the corners for each and more fouls to them by uh, nine to six. I've actually got some interesting ones from BBC website as well. Um, we've won consecutive away league games against Forest for the first time since 1966. There you go. Uh, that means England t- are going to win the Euros now, doesn't it? Well, that's the last time they won a major competition. Whenever someone puts something together with 1966, England are going to win the next major tournament, apparently. Yeah, it's coming home, Coming on, stick your money on it. Uh, the Magpies took the lead three times in a Premier League game that they then went on to win for the first time since October 2005. Do you want to venture who was the manager at that time and who it was against? When we oh, last I'm probably going to say Grim Soness and was it the Man mm-hmm. City game? Nearly. It was Sourpuss and it was against the Magams, funny enough. Was it? At home. Aye. According to the Breeble don't, you know, don't string me up for this. But that one was 1-3-2 uh, and uh, the racist got the winner. Uh, we won three two yeah, at home. Yeah, maybe it's actually the oh. first time we've ever done that though. Yeah, typically three times and win in any away game in the Premier League era. So there you go. Take that. All right, Fab Shaw, beautiful Fab Shaw, has scored three goals in his last two Premier League away games. That's as many as he did score in his previous sixty-eight away appearances in <laughs> the Premier League when he scored three. So um, yeah, he's on a bit of uh, bit of form right. Bit of form right now, isn't he? Three and a half minutes, was yeah. it? Aye. Don't get that value these days anymore, do you? Um, and the last one, just to round this off, no player has assisted more goals in the Premier League this season than Kieran Trippier with 10. 
Uh, he also became the first Newcastle player to register 10 or more assists in a single Premier League season since somebody in 2001 and 2. Who do you reckon that was? He's French. Lauren Robert. It was Lauren Robert. Well done, mate. You've got the BBC website up, haven't you? I've uh, seen it on Facebook. <laughs> ah, shit. All right. Uh, let's have a quick look at the table. So Newcastle move up into seventh, probably temporarily. There is a game against, I believe, West Ham and... Is it West Ham Man United? Uh, West Ham, Arsenal, uh, Villa, Man United. Ah, that's right. Yeah. So there's every chance West Ham might go above us there. Um, but otherwise, we are in the right sort of area. Not too far. It's actually a seventh place of European position this season. It I'm is this season, I think, because there's a fifth Champions League spot. I think no, so. There you go. So you never know. Uh, Europe, which absolutely decimated our squad this season, <laughs> might be back on the table uh, for next season. Oh, God. I hope we have a better transfer window in the summer than we did in January to try and sort that one out. Um, all right, let's just round this one off then. Who was your man in the match? You can do a 3-2-1 if you like. Uh, it's got to be Bruno for the number one spot. Mm -hmm. um, two goals considering he was ill for the week. Uh, Gordon for number two because of the fact that he only trained there for one day. Mm -hmm. And probably going to say Fabian Shaw as well. He wasn't really at fault for any of the goals because he was out of the picture. And I'm not saying he was just in bad position or anything. They just played the balls between Botman and Byrne. And he took his goal pretty well as well. He did. My mine's, my my actual 3 2 ones is, is, is exactly the same. It was 3 to Bruno. Uh, just a terrific overall performance. Golden, who uh, isn't quite up to 100% himself with his, with his ankle and what have you. But, um, and you can see he was blown out of his arse uh, yeah. later in the game. He, he always gives everything he's got. So I gave him two. And again, Fab Shaw, yeah, one goal, one point. Um, decent performance all around. And he's always a threat. It's always good to have a defender who can pop up with a goal, isn't it? It's always it's always good to have that. Um, we might have him up front at this rate. Uh, if, I think, <laughs> is Wilson injured? Did he do his shoulder right at the end there? An arm injury with that little tussle um, yeah, with the Forest player off the edge of the pitch um, where he tried to power slam him or something like that. He was holding mm. his arm at the end and apparently Wilson has came out on an inning and said he, he's done his arm a little bit, but he doesn't think it's too serious, which means he'll mm. be out until Christmas, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his career finished, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God, please. I mean, otherwise, it'll have to be Gordon up front, and we don't know if he's fit enough to, to lead the line. Um, oh, yeah, Fab Shaw at this bloody rate. Jesus. <laughs> All right, Craggy, thanks, mate. We'll leave it there. So 3-2 um, to Newcastle, up into seventh place, an excellent away performance in the end. Got lucky, I think. I think that was a penalty, I've got to be honest. Um that's all from us today. We will be back later in the week um, for a preview of the Bournemouth game next weekend. And I, myself, will be back next Sunday for the review of that game. But until then, thanks to everyone who's watched and listened. Uh, thanks to you, Craggy, for joining me today. And how are the mighty tune man? How are the lad? <laughs> ah, you've got to love a win, haven't you? You've got to. <laughs>